Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And though on your screen right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, is the Blizzard Entertainment logo, surprisingly, this is not a video about Activision Blizzard King's imminent proposed purchase by Microsoft for just under $70 billion. At least not entirely. Instead, this video is an add-on, an epilogue, if you will, to one of our first long-form playlists on this channel, A Blizzard of Backlash, in which we discussed how Blizzard Entertainment was trying and largely failing to address issues that it had with respect to China, Chinese publishing, distribution, and the statements that some of its players were making, in this particular case, Blitzchung, regarding freedom for Hong Kong. Now, it's in that context that I want to talk about this issue with NetEase that you can see on our thumbnail and title to this video. But before I do, I want to mention that this channel, Virtual Legality, all the rest of the stuff we do here, cannot be done without support from viewers and subscribers like you. So thank you so much for everybody that does support us. Today is actually going to be our group-sponsored video. We'll be talking about the group that did sponsor this video at the end of it. But if you're interested at all in helping us support this kind of conversation, please do check out our Utreon, our Patreon, membership at YouTube, or anything else that you can do to help do those youtube things like liking and commenting. Now, without further ado, let's take a look at how Activision positions this somewhat surprising announcement. So this is the Activision investor-related press release page. Blizzard Entertainment and NetEase suspending game services in China. Certain games will no longer be available at the end of the license with NetEase on January 23rd, 2023. So just a little bit over a month away. Blizzard Entertainment Inc. announced today that it will be suspending most Blizzard game services in mainland China due to the expiration of the current licensing agreements with NetEase on January 23rd. This includes World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Warcraft 3 Reforged, Overwatch, and StarCraft series Diablo 3 and Heroes of the Storm. Diablo Immortal is a special case. That's the mobile-only Diablo game. Co-development and publishing is covered under a separate agreement between the two companies. Now, as a lawyer, the first thing that jumps out at me in that first paragraph is that that co-development is saving net ease in Diablo Immortal, but also that it appears that this isn't a breach kind of concept. Now, I can't promise you what is in these contracts, but I will tell you if I am going to have a party of mine, a client of mine, enter into multiple agreements with the same opposite party, generally speaking, I'm going to advocate for a provision in those contracts called a cross-default. Okay, if you breach this contract, I can terminate it. But if you breach any contract you have with me, I could potentially terminate this first one because oftentimes if there's a breach, if a relationship has soured, you want to just get out of business with that person. You don't want to be continuing with them through some other process. Now, co-development is a little bit harder to get around because they might have intellectual property ownership. They might have other more direct ownership at either the Blizzard or NetEase levels with respect to Diablo Immortal, so they have to stay married on that particular property. But it does suggest, to me at least, that with respect to this mainline licensing and publishing agreement, it is unlikely that there's an actual breach, that somebody wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing, that there's a major problem. It's more like some kind of disconnect between what they're asking for on either side, Blizzard or NetEase, or maybe with the relationships of the individuals involved. And we'll see why I raised that a little bit later on in this video. Blizzard Entertainment has had licensing agreements with NetEase since 2008, covering the publication of these Blizzard titles in China. The two parties have not reached a deal to renew the agreements that is consistent with Blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees. And those agreements are set to expire. So this is a natural termination. Whenever you sign up to an agreement, you're going to have a concept of when it should end or 
you're going to have what we call a termination for convenience provision that allows one or both parties to get out when they're done with it. But you're going to have a concept of what exactly the commitment is between these various parties. And it turns out that this agreement is scheduled to naturally end in January 2023. And generally speaking, in the six months before that, or potentially longer, depending on what kind of contract you're looking at, the parties will start to negotiate exactly what the future looks like under that contract, or they'll even amend the current contract to give a little bit more time to negotiate those details. The fact that that isn't happening here is suggestive of Blizzard wanting to make a clean break of it. But what's most important to me from this press release is this language here. They don't talk about money. They don't talk about royalty rates. They don't talk about financial viability or sustainability or anything like that. They say the two parties have not reached a deal to renew that is consistent with Blizzard's operating principles. That sounds very high and mighty, haughty even. What are we talking about there? Including commitments to players and employees. And that's why I made it a part of the Blizzard of Backlash series because this sounds to me like Blizzard is referring back to some of the things that it likes to say. If you might remember that sequence towards the tail end of 2020 and into 2021, you can take a look at employees going through the various plaques in the gardens and saying, well, Blizzard isn't doing what they said they would do, right? Blizzard has a statement here. They have a whole set of mission statements talking about thinking globally and every voice matters, right? Great ideas can come from anywhere. Blizzard Entertainment is what it is today because of the voices of our players and of each member of the company. Those are the two constituencies that are mentioned directly in the press release. Every employee is encouraged to speak up, listen, be respectful of other opinions, and embrace criticism as just another avenue for great ideas. This is one of those areas where Blizzard took a ton of heat when they weren't doing what people wanted them to do with respect to China and Blitzchunk. So it's possible that this contract has been in place for that entire period of time, not with any kind of renewal notion, and that NetEase was not a partner to Blizzard at the time of this whole thing in a way that Blizzard would have liked them to have been. Now, maybe I'm just bringing that to it. This is speculation, of course, but it isn't like Blizzard hasn't had its China issues in the relatively recent past when we're talking about businesses and corporations. And certainly when you start talking about operating principles and commitments to players and employees, well... Blizzard likes to go out there and say, hey, think globally. Every voice matters. Lead responsibly. And they were not seen as a paragon of virtue when it came to what happened just a couple of years ago. We will suspend new sales in the coming days, and Chinese players will be receiving details of how this will work soon. We'll also still continue with upcoming releases for World of Warcraft Dragonflight, Hearthstone, The March of the Lich King, and Season 2 of Overwatch 2. So the things that are currently being updated will still continue there, even though the full publishing for these games is going to end in January. Now, Mike Barra gives a quote here. We're immensely grateful for the passion our Chinese community has shown throughout the nearly 20 years. We've been bringing our games to China through NetEase and other partners. So they're talking there to their players, not to NetEase, said Mike Barra, president of Blizzard Entertainment. Their enthusiasm and creativity inspire us, our players, and we are looking for alternatives to bring our games back to players in the future. This announcement basically doesn't talk about NetEase at all. It doesn't say anything nice about a partner that they have worked with for more than a decade and instead focuses on the player and says, hey, we're going to try to get you your games back, uh, but it's going to take us a little time, which is exactly what comes out of the Game Industry Biz article that I wanted to talk with you about from James Batchelor. Here it says, Blizzard NetEase end 14-year partnership Everything you need to know, World of Warcraft, Overwatch, and more will be suspended in China from January. Analyst tells us Blizzard titles are not as paramount to the NetEase strategy, which might also be kind of 
apologizing for the company behavior and seeing them as more potentially successful outside this realm as we might think of them. But we also have to note, even in America, that Blizzard isn't the mighty Blizzard that once existed. We'll see that again a little bit further on. Blizzard has said it will cease new sales of these titles, but will continue to support those expansions and kind of live services that we talked about. Diablo Immortal is co-developed. We commented on that. And then how does this affect Blizzard is what Game Industry Biz starts off with. All games developed outside of China are required to have a Chinese publisher in order to legally and officially operate in that market. It's a requirement of the jurisdiction. However, it's worth emphasizing the terms legally and officially as many Chinese gamers continue to access non-domestic titles via other means, such as international Steam. Blizzard's Mike Ibarra says in the press release that we just looked at that they will be looking for alternatives to bring games back to players in the future. However, says Games Industry Biz, securing another Chinese publisher is likely to be a lengthy process, not the least of which is because the regulators have been very slow to issue publishing licenses in the past year. If you've been following China at all, you know that the Chinese government in general doesn't look too terribly favorably on video games or the video game industry. And so if they are responsible for licensing new distribution and partnership channels into their jurisdiction, yes, that could take a little bit of extra time. Now, I do think Games Industry Biz skips one beat here, which is that Blizzard didn't just up and wake up one morning and decide that they were cutting off netties. So to the extent that that business decision is made at some point in the past, at that point, you can start considering what your approach is going to be to get your games back into the Chinese market. So it isn't necessarily the case that Blizzard is waiting until now or even until January. They could have been working on a China project for a considerable amount of time. The government body responsible is also catching up on a backlog, backlog after multiple freezes on the process while it was restructured. China-based analyst Daniel Camillo tells Games Industry Biz that securing a publishing license currently takes months. It's also unclear whether the ongoing process of Microsoft's proposed $67.8 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard will affect the process. And I think that's probably worth a conversation as well. So let's take a look at the Microsoft situation specifically in the merger agreement that we have. And one thing that jumps out at me in this merger agreement between Microsoft and Activision are these affirmative obligations and forbearance covenants. Now, that's a lot of legalese for a merger agreement, but as we've talked about in the Microsoft Times Activision playlists, it's a lot, go check out those 45 videos, uh, is that when you sign up a deal in January of this year in 2022, there are certain restrictions that are put upon Activision and how they operate. Microsoft doesn't want to promise somebody almost $70 billion and have the company be entirely different by the time closing actually happens. So you have these provisions in any given contract like this, where there's a signing date and a closing date that are separate in time, and you make Activision make certain promises. For instance, accept is expressly contemplated here, or as contemplated in a disclosure letter, which is a document that would come along with this agreement, or as approved by parent, right? As long as it's approved by Microsoft as they come in to purchase the company in Activision, then you can do whatever you want. But except for that, unless Microsoft has signed off, you can't do things that otherwise harm your current relationships and goodwill with customers, suppliers, partners, platform providers, manufacturers, distributors, lessors, licensors, licensees, creditors, contractors, and other persons with which the company or any of its subsidiaries has business relations. So said another way, you're supposed to keep the company as it is in the ordinary course of business. You have an obligation to preserve all of these various things, including contracts with your Chinese distribution partners, or maybe not quite, right? Because this is an affirmative obligation to keep the boat steady while we're in between signing and closing. Then we have these quote unquote forbearance covenants, which are the things you're absolutely not allowed to do. And we have to scroll all the way down. There's a lot of letters in this merger agreement until we find 
You are not allowed to allow to lapse or expire any material assets of the company or any of its subsidiaries, including Blizzard, or any material items of company intellectual property other than agreements for distribution of company products that are not prohibited by Section 5.2T, which we can't see because we don't have a copy of the disclosure schedule, but these are things that the company is not allowed to enter into, which is all a lot of legal ease in saying that Microsoft probably had to sign off on this particular decision. That will come back because that's of interest because Microsoft has an existing relationship with NetEase right now. So we'll talk about that towards the tail end of this video. But what I wanted to bring in this merger agreement for was to say that Microsoft isn't going to necessarily be out of the loop on any of this stuff. These aren't surprises to somebody that has promised to pay you $70 billion, generally speaking. Now, there are all sorts of stories in mergers and acquisitions land of companies that hide the ball and try to get to closing, not telling the other party of things. But that's a big time issue. And it doesn't seem likely that Activision would do that, even though it's a possibility. So per the letter of the law here, the contract that these two parties agreed to, Microsoft is a party to these kinds of decisions and probably signing off on them because Blizzard, Activision, King, however you want to frame it, they don't want to surprise Microsoft or give them a way out in some fashion. Remember, if Microsoft doesn't close the deal because of regulator powers, then they owe between two and $3 billion to Activision. Activision wouldn't want to jeopardize that. Now, Nico Partners' Daniel Ahmad tells Games Industry Biz that China remains an important market for Activision Blizzard as it is the world's number one game market by revenue. Nico says World of Warcraft was the seventh highest grossing PC game and ninth most played PC game in China during 2021. And in the quote here, he says, if Blizzard does partner with another Chinese game company, its games would need to re-enter the approval process under the new operator. However, there is an expedited process that operators can utilize. For example, when Warframe switched operators from Chang Yu to iDreamSky, it was able to utilize the separate approval process, which is also used when a game's name needs to be changed or an additional platform needs to be added to the license. So China, obviously a bit more totalitarian than many of the Western jurisdictions, has this licensing process. And if you change anything about your game or what you want to release into their jurisdiction, they get to have a say on it. But what Mr. Ahmad is describing here is a kind of whitelist. There's a certain amount of approval that you can get a little bit faster if you're a big time mover and shaker in the Chinese economic environment. And that's why Mr. Ahmad advances the following. Blizzard may turn to Tencent, which partnered with Activision Blizzard to develop and publish Call of Duty Mobile in China. Tencent, with its strong distribution channels and experience of operating foreign game franchises, is likely the sole logical partner for Activision Blizzard to replace NetEase. Now, Tencent, obviously, gets a bad rap from a lot of folks that follow us here in virtual legality and, and talk about China and Chinese involvement in Western development, etc. But it might be the case that Tencent takes a lighter hand on Chinese-facing political issues than NetEase. I can't speak to that. But Blizzard might have an issue that is more substantial with NetEase than it's letting on, as indicated by, in their own press release, not acknowledging the partnership that they had with that company, and also intimating that NetEase was not a good match for Blizzard's overall kind of ethos. Now, how does this affect NetEase? The Chinese publisher added the expiration of these licensing agreements will have no material impact on NetEase's financial results. Now, materiality is in the eye of the beholder. We've talked about that a lot in this space as well. And as Game Industry Biz points out, a Reuters article cites a capital markets report from earlier this month, which posited that the loss of Blizzard titles would lower revenue by between 6 and 8%. 
Anytime you get into that, you get close to 10%. I think we're definitely talking about materiality in most kind of forward-facing securities regulator environments, right? People that are invested in this company wants to know when there's a major issue. You start dropping 8% from the loss of a contract, that seems like something that would affect, would have a material impact on our results, but this is all speculative. As the Reuters article says, it's based on an estimate that licensed games account for approximately 10% of their total revenue with Blizzard accounting for up to 80% of its licensed games, which is fine. You can estimate these things based on known commodities, but it isn't as accurate as the numbers themselves. Analyst Daniel Camille tells Games Industry Biz that NetEase has been shifting more towards a global strategy rather than relying on its home market, and that Blizzard games in China are not as paramount to NetEase's growth strategy presently and going forward. He adds that while Blizzard has been historically very popular in China, particularly World of Warcraft, the publisher's games don't carry the weight they used to in the last decade in that market. And that's no real surprise. Obviously, the Western markets and the Chinese markets aren't identical, aren't even necessarily the same. But I think everyone would agree that Blizzard was a heavy, heavy hitter for a long time, certainly the World of Warcraft era. But even before that, with StarCraft success and other games success, certainly Diablo. Uh, But in the recent past, Blizzard has not been as productive or as critically acclaimed or as popular as they were in that prior decade. So it's no surprise that they are probably less important uh, than they were before, but this certainly does not appear to be NetEase's choice. Chinese market, while huge, continues to be extremely restrictive for officially published content, both in amount and form, he says. And then there's some, as I said, kind of apologia for NetEase. Hey, they're opening businesses in the U.S. They don't really need this. They're going to be fine. We've embarked on a global expansion strategy. And so in general, these analysts talking to Games Industry Biz are roughly in favor of this or don't think that it is a death knell for NetEase. And I also don't think NetEase is going under anytime soon. Adding to this, however is a little bit of rumor mongering from some NetEase folks. Here's Simon Zhu through LinkedIn, who talks of something that is not quite understandable from the outside. As a gamer who spent 10,000 hours in the world of Azeroth, StarCraft, and Overwatch, Blizzard games, I feel so heartbroken as I will not longer have the access to my account and memories next year. One day, when what has happened behind the scenes can be told, developers and gamers will have a whole new level of understanding of how much damage a jerk can make. Now that is a fascinating statement, right? Because what are we even talking about there? Is it a jerk at NetEase? Is it a jerk at Blizzard? It's entirely unclear. Now I will tell you speculating, of course, as we do here in this space, it sounds to me like it's actually a NetEase issue, right? By the time that Activision Blizzard is talking about not being consistent with Blizzard operating principles and commitments to players and employees, it sounds to me a little bit like we're talking about something that is a problem at NetEase and that this individual at NetEase is talking about one person speaking out of turn. That is at least according to this individual. But it's very difficult to see, and NetEase doesn't seem super thrilled about any of this. Their quotes are that they tried their hardest to get this done, and it just didn't work out uh, with Blizzard, but that they're going to try to do more stuff in China. Right now, the last bit of this that I want to talk to you all about before we head out for the day uh, on this episode is that, as I mentioned earlier, one really interesting thing about this 
is that NetEase is a current partner of Microsoft, at least as advertised. About NetEase Games, NetEase Games is the online games division of NetEase Inc., developing and operating some of the most popular mobile and PC games in markets, including China and Japan. As one of the world's largest incubators of quality online game content, NetEase Games is dedicated to supporting the growth of innovative studios around the globe and growing an international presence along the way. To complement its self-developed games and world-class research and development capabilities, NetEase Games also partners with other industry leaders, including Blizzard Entertainment, that's what's going away in January, Mojang AB, a Minecraft subsidiary, and other global game developers to operate some of the most popular international online games in China. That's right, when Microsoft went looking for someone to distribute Minecraft in China, as said here in the Ars Technica article, Minecraft has finally found a legal path to publishing Minecraft on Chinese PCs, they went with NetEase. And apparently, for all the world, as far as I can tell, have a current relationship with NetEase, even though it was described uh, more than five years ago as a five-year exclusive as between Mojang and NetEase. So it would appear that that deal got renewed, at least as described by NetEase in their own advertising, which means that Microsoft, the pending and future, you know, likelihood owner of Activision, Blizzard, and King, has an existing relationship with a company that Blizzard has, at least in some respects, thrown under the bus a little bit. So this is a very interesting state of affairs because you combine all of these little bits of information that Microsoft probably is made aware of this, is probably party to and consents to doing this with NetEase, that they already have a relationship with NetEase at Microsoft, but that Activision Blizzard also has an existing relationship with Tencent. And well, sky's the limit on speculation for what you want to think about Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard King even and what is going to go forward in Chinese publication and development. So this is a very interesting story. It ties into both the Blizzard of Backlash, by my estimation, and what they say in their own press release, as well as Microsoft Times Activision. So, well, we've got a lot to go on, but not a lot of answers just yet. Stay tuned to this channel and Virtual Legality, because we'll probably cover this again when a little bit becomes more apparent as Microsoft continues its potential acquisition of Activision, Blizzard, and King. Again, if you do like these conversations about technology, software, video games, and more business and law focus, please consider supporting the channel at Utreon or Patreon as our group sponsors for the month did. And thank you so much for those sponsors. The Hogue family, Papa and Mama, my mom and dad, thank you very much for helping support this endeavor in virtual legality. Brendan Coleman, Adam Kiniston, Lethal Five String, probably not a given name, but a cool one. Hargeet Chani, Chill and Joy, Roketsu86, Lady Emily, Sinfrog, and Falcus Vipus. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the channel and everybody else that hits the like button, comments, engages, tells their friends that we're having these kinds of conversations because every single little bit helps. And thank you, thank you so much. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you for watching it. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.